Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... I mean, this is an old story that I could have told at any time, really, in my publishing career, you know, but but this this moment seems exactly right. This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 635. I'm your host, Matthew Winner. We're on Patreon at patreon.com slash Matthew C. Winner, if you want to support the show. Today I'm joined by Thriti Umregar. Thriti shares two different strands of her life this year, as she puts it, with the release of Sugar in Milk and Binny's Diwali. Artist Koa Lay lends exquisite illustrations to Sugar in Milk to tell a story within a story of a girl who has recently immigrated to America and struggles to feel she belongs. The girl's auntie comforts her with the timeless tale of an Indian king, a group of Persian refugees, and a full glass of milk. Binny's Diwali is a celebration in lights and community, brought vibrantly to the page with the help of Nidhi Chanani's colorful art. It's a beautiful school story, and one that saves a space every person, every child, to feel important and valued. Please welcome my guest, Thriti Umragar, author of Sugar in Milk and Binny's Diwali. Hi, everybody. I am Thriti Umragar, and I am the author of uh, the children's book, Sugar in Milk. Um, I also have a second children's book, a picture book that came out this fall called Binny's Diwali, but I will mainly talk today about sugar and milk. My pronouns are she, her, and hers, and I'm happy to talk to you today. I am happy, Thridi, to have you join me, especially because we had such a lively conversation before recording, which is always a great start. It so is. welcome. <laughs> Well, you've got, I mean, you're, I have read Binny's Diwali, which I think is beautiful. I love Nidhi Chanani. She's been on the show a couple of times before. Um, right. Beautiful picture book. I'd love for you to share. Um, why don't we, why don't we just start with a little bit of a book talk of that book, knowing that we'll spend most of our time on sugar and milk. Why don't you tell us a little bit about this story of Binny's Diwali? 
Oh, you know, it was just good luck, Matthew, that I had two children's books come out in the same season back to back. (laughs) And I honestly feel like they represent two different strands of my life. Um, I spent the first 21 years of my life in India. um, And uh, Beneath Diwali, Diwali, of course, is one of the largest um, religious festivals in the world. It's it's a Hindu festival, and even though I was not raised Hindu, which is the majority uh, religion of India, um, but there are also many, many other groups, including the religion that I was raised in, which is called Zoroastrianism, and uh, I was raised as a, Zoroast- as a Zoroastrian, um, but we celebrated practically all festivals. You know, I was lucky enough to be raised in a very secular-minded family and anything to have some good food and a few good laughs, you know. So we we valued and treasured and celebrated all festivals. So when I had an opportunity to write a picture book about Benice Diwali, I just leapt at it. And Sugar and Milk, of course, tells the story of my ancestors who arrived in India almost a thousand years ago uh, from what used to be known as Persia at that time. And they basically came as what we would today refer to as refugees and asked for shelter, asked for a new home, asked to be let in. And um, that is the story of how and why they were allowed into India that I tell in Sugar and Milk. So I feel ridiculously lucky to bring <laughs> these two strands of my life together, you know, the Indian story in, in Benice Diwali and then the Persian slash Parsi story in Sugar and Milk. Well, you, you use the phrase ridiculously lucky. And I think to have the illustrators as well bring your stories to life the way Nidhi does in Benice Diwali and the way Koa Lay does in Sugar and Milk is just, they look so different they're just styled different and the stories in the way have a different energy but i think the illustrators are perfectly matched to each of your stories i couldn't agree more and you know as someone who spends most of her time writing novels for adults uh and and you know is locked up for hours at a time just sort of writing in front of a, on a computer in front of a screen um, which can get pretty isolating and lonely at times um, you know just to have the pleasure um, and really the honor of, of um, collaboration and to write words which later on somebody that you haven't even met in real life yet you know can can take and and bring to life you know have have the words on a page like bloom like flowers. I mean, that alone is such a high to see your vision of something intersect with the artist's vision and have it become even more powerful. So I feel very lucky. And I think both illustrators were exactly the right choices for each book. Yeah, we mentioned about spending our time in sugar and milk. But I wonder if first I can ask you, why write for children. You do have this home in writing for adults. I think you beautifully write for children, but do you recall what 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 pulled you to write, whether it was the story idea itself or just that there's something about children that, that you, you hold a special place for? Well, I love kids. I love children. Uh, I feel like children are the what humanity 
can be. I mm. feel like, you know, when I grow up, I want to be a child. Oh, um, I, I love I wanna that have, phrase. Thrifty, I, I, when I, I grow I, I up, wanna, I want to be a child. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, we always talk about parents and adults as role models, but I think the world would be a better place if we use children in their purity, in their innocence, in their honesty, in their directness, in their acts of kindness uh, as role models. I think children have, you know, a world to offer and to teach to adults. Um, So uh, I feel like the sense of connection with children, I still feel like, even though I'm getting old, I still feel like... uh, I understand that sense of awe and wonder and discovery and seeing the world with fresh eyes for the first time. I mean, to me, in essence, that's what being an artist is. And, you know, who has those abilities? It's it's children, you know. So writing for kids uh, feels very good and comfortable and real for me. But I have to say that specifically when it came to sugar and milk, you know, it's a story. It's, it's a story of a Persian legend that I grew up uh, hearing. I mean, this in every Parsi home in India uh, and abroad, I mean, wherever Parsis were, this was a story that every child heard uh, growing up. And um, it just occurred to me that given the times that we are living through, where, you know, there can be so much ugliness and even hatred against foreigners. Um, This, the story that I tell in this book is basically, it's a timeless story that feels very, very timely and very, very urgent right now. And it's one thing to tell the story to adults, but I feel like it's children who are going to be guardians of this world in in a few short years in the future. And uh, it's a story about kindness. It's a story about the power of generosity. And it's also a story about wit and quick thinking and, and the power and the value of, of language, you know, of saying the right words at the right time and how that, that can change people's lives because that's basically what the legend of sugar and milk is all about. And so I thought, why don't I take the story that was part of my childhood and offer it up to other people who are in their childhood and see if if it can serve um, them as much as it has served and guided my behavior throughout my life. In Sorry, this... that's a very long-winded no, answer. To I, I think that's question. a wonderful answer. And if I if I set up the book and then I want to jump into the the story, that in the book there's a, a girl who has just moved to America and she's living with her auntie and uncle, and just doesn't feel like she fits. And so her auntie shares this story of of uh, these people forced to leave Persia, and when they arrive at the shores of 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 this this area, a king. Um, notices that, that they don't speak the same language. Uh, so he wisely thinks to fill a cup with milk full to the brim in order to indicate that our country is full to the brim. We don't have any room. And of course, one of the, the, the people from um, those coming from Persia takes out a, a spoon of sugar and carefully stirs it in to show that not only do you have room, but will sweeten your 
your your your your being, your existence. I love that your line reads between two wise people, sometimes words are not necessary. And you've you've worded it in just that way that we're all wise in that way. All of us only need to be thinking and thinking critically to solve our problems and to to see past our differences. I just love that it's it's not between the two wisest men that were on the shores that day. That's right. But just between two wise people. And aren't Absolutely. you as well wise? Yeah. Absolutely. I have a line, you know, thank you, first of all, for that summary and for understanding the book so deeply, because I think you have zeroed in on precisely what I was trying to do. Um, but, you know, in another book that I've written, not yet published, um, I have a line that says something like, we, we cannot all be great, but we can all be good, mm. you know? And, and something that you just said, Matthew, just made me recollect that. I love that line. We cannot all be great, but we can all be good. It, that speaks to me of, what are you chasing after? What are you chasing right. after? Because isn't, isn't the way to walk through this world to be kind to one another? You know, speaking of walking through the world, when we, when we exit this story and we're back with the girl and she's back telling us that auntie finishes this story and they're walking quietly and she's looking around like nothing has changed and everything has changed. The wisdom that she is internalizing. I love that, that you've given her this, this moment. I was saying this before recording, but that she carries this sugar packet around as a means to remind herself that you are here, that you sweeten the world, that there's always room for more perspective, for more people, for our differences. It is not that our differences mean that there's no room for us. That that quite, rather quite the contrary. Yeah, quite the yeah. contrary. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Our differences are what allow the world to expand and grow, you know? I mean, we would be a very sad, pathetic, narrow <laughs> world if, if we were all exactly the same, you know? Hey there, book nerds. You want to know what's even better than hearing bookmakers share stories of how their ideas became the books you love? Having those stories in your home, your classroom, your library, or your life to be enjoyed over and over. Bookshop.org allows you to purchase your favorite books from the show and support local bookstores while doing it. I even maintain lists of the books shared each season, so it's easy to find what you're looking for. Visit matthewcwinner.com and click on Shop, or use the link in the show notes to find your next favorite story. I love also that in that last page of uh, showing the girl with the sugar packet that Koa has shown what looks like sugar grains coming out of her pocket, but they right. grow into seeds that, that bloom into these beautiful flowers. Just thinking that, that you know, that, 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 that is our presence in the world, that we... We are these seeds that take root and that that affect everything around us. And they, we, we all, we each, grow to be something beautiful. 
Look, it's something as simple as this. I mean, what you're saying is 100% correct. But if somebody still needs proof of, of what you just said, next time you're in the grocery store or going for a walk, smile and nod and say hello to every single person you walk by and see if some kind of magic does not happen. You know, mm, yes. um, I think 99% of people will smile back at you um, and do the same. You know, we'll say hello back to you. And it's going to make you feel great, you know. And then maybe as an experiment, try doing the opposite the next time you go to the store. And you leave the store not feeling as bouncy and as happy as you do when you're greeting people and smiling at them and getting smiled back at, you know. It's, yeah. it's, it's something as small as that because you have no idea, you know, what other people are going through on that exact same moment, right? And, I mean, what does it cost us to just be the first people, you know, not wait for somebody else to smile at us, but to be the ones who initiate that, you know? Yeah, and you know, Thridi, we talk about the, the timing of this book and the importance of this book, but also of what you just said, we're all wearing masks and I'm in school and it's, I'm noticing how challenging it is as as a person who is an emotive person and that I read other people's emotions and that is how I find my energy and find connection. And it's hard for us to be together as a class and to have to solely rely on tone of voice and the way your right. eyes are turning and smiling. Right. That's hard, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't do it and that we shouldn't look for others doing it. Look for that proof of connection because it is there. Even if we have to look just a little harder, it's worth it to look. And and Matthew, it's not even, I mean, people, we forget this, you know, mm. people smile with their eyes. Yeah. People look soft and look kind and look compassionate with their eyes. Uh, there is a lot. I mean, yes, it's not, you know, it's not ideal what we are living through and going through, but, and, and use your voice, you know, smile the hello and people will hear the difference in your voice, you know? Yes. <laughs> so, so just because we are covering half of our faces doesn't mean that we have to compromise a wit of our humanity. You know, we don't, in fact, we should be leaning into it and doubling our humanity because, you know, it is a stressful time, not just for us, but for everyone, you know. I like when we read this story, how when Auntie starts to tell the story, speaking of the things that we're looking for, the, the things that we're watching for, we start without a frame. The, there ends up being this frame around the story as she's telling, as Auntie's telling the story. Um, but we start with what looks like wind and and branches with no leaves, almost as if roots. Um, but the frame itself around the story being told of the people coming from Persia to this king in India, the way right. that you watch those bare branches or winds or roots sort of fade away and be replaced with leaves and vibrant colors coming to the leaves and these flowers bursting from them is so beautiful that for me then the, to land the magic of we, we see these birds in the background 
to turn the page and go back to, you can probably hear me flipping the pages as I look at these peacocks, to turn the page and go then back to the girl and her auntie walking through the park and to see the way that that has appeared in the sky, the the wind blowing, the clouds. It's it's breathtaking the way your words in this art just move. They move. Well, let me say it this way. That story that auntie is telling literally through the art moves through the girl and through the world. It becomes the lens to see the world differently. It's exceptional the way the art is is moving the story as well here. Listen, I've said this before and I'll say it again. First of all, I cannot imagine anybody else who could have done as masterful a job as Koa has done with this book. Uh, to me, it's not just a picture book. It almost looks like a coffee table, you know, high art book. You know, that's mm. that's how I look at this, uh, this book. And of course, I can take absolutely no credit for any of this because it's her genius, not mine, um, except that I had some say so, you know, early, early on and saying, based on her other work, saying, my God, I want this person to illustrate this book. But imagine the magic. I mean, we were talking about diversity a while back. So here's an Indian uh, American writer sitting in Ohio, uh, communicating her vision for this book with an editor in New York, who then conveys that vision to a young artist in Vietnam, who is told to create you know, a visual scene of what, you know, this, what Asia, Asian Persia looked like, right? Um, and I was just giving her directions like, tell her to look at miniature Persian art, you know, tell her to look at beautiful tapestries and oriental rugs and, and, and try and capture the depth and colors and richness of, of those. And that's what I'm looking at for the story within the story. Um, And by golly, she does it. And she does it beyond any expectation I could have had. And it's, I just think this is a stunningly beautiful book. I, I nearly never find myself saying this about a book, but one of the highest forms of praise I'd like to think that I can say about a book is that I feel like the colors and the patterns that Koa uses feel like something I could wear. They feel like a direct translation of a of a culture or of a space or of a just a they feel I mean they feel like when I walk through the museum and I look at an ancient artifact and and how yeah. the patterns and colors feel like they are telling a story. There's something there that just feels I don't I don't know lived in or or like it's carrying some ancient wisdom. It's so hard right. to put my thumb on it, but it's so beautiful. Oh, but just the richness of her palette alone, yes. you know, the blues that she uses, you know, and the ongoing motif of the peacocks that run mm. from page to page <laughs> and, and, and that border, that incredible border. I mean, this is like, this is art, you know. I agree. That's, that's the only way to describe it. Can I ask you about your dedication in the book. 
Sure. Because um, whenever one, whenever anyone mentions family, I I always want to ask a little bit more. Can you can you talk to your dedication? Tell us what you wrote and, yeah. and why. So I'll read it first, and then I'll talk about it. I said, for my beloved dad, Nasher Omergar, who taught me the ancient lessons of good thoughts, good words, good deeds. And those three things, I mean, if you asked me, what is this religion that you were raised in, Tridi? Like, what does, um, what is the basic tenet of the religion? Um, that's what I would say. I would say good thoughts, good words, good deeds. And it sounds very, very simple until you think about it. And when you think about it, you realize that it basically it's like an umbrella that covers all of human behavior. You know, if you think good thoughts, um, chances are those will come out of your mouth as kind words. And um, hopefully those will lead to good actions. Um, And this was a message that was drilled into my head um, from a very young age by my father. You know, it's a religious message, but he was somebody you know, a lot of people can can say the right words, right? We we all know talk the talk as as the saying goes. But walking the walk is a whole different matter. And all I can tell you about my father is that he was the kind of man uh he I have never met another human being in real life, you know, outside of movies or books, who actually strove for self-improvement and like worked on himself every single day of his life the way my father did. And I'm not saying that he succeeded 100% of the time, but I can tell you that he tried 100% of the time, you know? And so I didn't have to think twice about who to dedicate this book to. I mean, I don't know if this book could have existed if, if I was not lucky enough to have the kind of dad that I did. Uh, I'm so grateful he he imprinted on you in that way, that just that I'm grateful for his presence in you and in your life. That's beautiful. And what Me a beautiful too. book to dedicate to him. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, um, I want to thank you, Thridi, for our time together. Thank you for this special moment and for, for how for how I I hear you speaking to children about safety and value and who they are and how they walk through this world. I'm grateful for that uh, as well in your work, in your writing at large. You're, You're a lovely person, Matthew. Thank you for understanding the book and just the richness and the beauty of your own words and for what you are doing for children's lit. I sincerely thank you for having me on the show. Well, it was my pleasure. And uh, it's now then my request to ask you a question um, that will sit us directly with our readers and, and with my students. And that is that I will see a library full of children tomorrow morning, Thridi. Is there a <laughs> message that I can bring to them from you? Absolutely. And it's very, very simple. Choose kindness. Be kind. Um, Look, all of us have moments when we are angry, 
when we want to hurt someone else, when we want to be mean and just simply lash out only because we are angry. But try in that moment to choose kindness instead. And I guarantee you, you might think you're being kind to someone else, but you are in reality being kind to yourself because you will feel better if you choose kindness instead of being rude or mean or angry. So as far as possible in your life, be kind. The Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by me, Matthew Winner, in my library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 600 episodes at matthewcwinner.com. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the free music archive. All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individuals and don't reflect the ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced. Want to help out the show? Become a patron, and you can directly impact and help to sustain the podcast. Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that is a very good thing indeed. We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cozy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.